Bron, like I said, spoke this message last week, the first part of our mission saying, we are Jesus followers. And she talked about how Jesus gave us this invitation. It's simple. Follow me. And this simple invitation, she put so beautifully how it's for all. Like we're just saying, it's the invitation for all, but also it's an invitation for life. And then I think even greater than that, it's an invitation that is meant for someone. And she gave us some homework. Who did their homework? Ooh, no hands going up over the place. At Eastlake, we like to say we are doers, not just hearers of the word. And she encourages us to take a step, whatever it is, a growth step in following Jesus. We aren't Jesus watchers. We aren't just Jesus listeners. We're Jesus followers, which means we're moving somewhere. And today, I want to talk to you about the first thing. The first thing. Say it with me. The first thing. Can we pray? Let's do it. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for the privilege and the honor that it is, Lord, to gather together in your name. I thank you that we live in a nation like Australia, in a state like WA, God. We are so blessed. And Lord, I pray this morning that we would hear your heart for our lives and that walk out of this building, Lord, to be a blessing to others. In your mighty name, Lord, we lift you up right now. Amen. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to look at John chapter 1 this morning. And it's the time when we read about Jesus' kind of arrival on the big stage. He's about 30 years of age, and he rocks up at the Jordan River, and it's actually the story of his first disciples. And we read about it in verse 35. It says, The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. And odd detail, it was about four in the afternoon. <laughs> now, I know I'm meant to be talking about hope traffickers this morning. But these few verses here, they set us up so well for where we are going in the next passage of Scripture. But I love this picture of these two guys that just see who Jesus is and just start following. And as they start following him, he turns to them, almost like I picture the prodigal son's father, if you know that story, waiting and turning towards his son as he came back to him. And they ask him, Rabbi, they call him teacher, which they were halfway there with that. But then they say, I want to go to your home. I want to see where you live. And it's in that response that Jesus says, come and you will see. And I looked at that this week and I thought, they saw him for the information, teacher. But Jesus' followers aren't just about information, about knowing more about God and the Bible. They're about transformation. They want to know how he lived, where he lived, what is Jesus doing? Because information without transformation, it's kind of pointless, isn't it? Knowing without doing isn't really knowing, is it? But these guys were different. These guys began following Jesus. They wanted the information. They wanted the life transformation. And look what happens in the next verse, in verse 40. 
It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John had said what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing. Everyone say the first thing. The first thing, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother and bring him to Jesus. The first thing Andrew did after following Jesus was to go share it with someone. The first thing Andrew did after discovering hope was to traffic hope. I wonder this morning, what's your first thing? What's your first priority? What's that thing you think of when you think of New Year's resolution? Can you remember what your first thing was when you first discovered Jesus? Even if you're not a Jesus follower this morning, you're just checking out church, I've got to ask the same question. What's your first priority? What's on the top of your task list? Who knows that feeling of not having a task list for a day, right? It's fantastic. I love it. But then the next day, you kind of want something to do. It's kind of a weird phenomenon, isn't it? It's like um, when you want to have a lazy day in bed, but it just makes you more tired and more sleepy. Do you know what I'm talking about? We have this task list, and, and sometimes the task list is big. Sometimes there's not nothing on it. There's everything on it. Like Saturday is meant to be my task list off day, but it doesn't line up with Lee's Day of Fury. It's true. I see the list and I just don't know where to start. Who knows that feeling, husbands? Don't admit to it. Definitely don't do it on stage, live, on Facebook. You will get in trouble. When we don't have a list, we feel bored and life becomes meaningless. And then when we do have a list, we're too stressed out and can't work out how to start. What if I told you this morning that there is already a list and it remains the same? Follow Jesus, traffic hope, share community. Follow Jesus, traffic hope, and share community. The reason that we get stressed out, the reason that we give up, the reason that we quit, the reason it seems meaningless is because it's not attached to purpose. Our priorities have got to be attached to purpose. You see, when we connect our priorities with purpose, we get passion. Passion literally means an abundance. An abundance. It means boundless enthusiasm. It means you feel alive. I wonder if that's what Jesus meant when he said abundant life, real life, is found in me. And you have to know this morning that if you decide to follow Jesus today or if you've been following Jesus for 20, 30 years, your divine purpose remains the same. Follow Jesus, traffic hope, and share community. You still have purpose. We sometimes say it's like a fire being started on the inside. It's a Christianese word, isn't it? Everyone else is going, what are you talking about? Have you got heartburn? There's, 
There's medication for that. But I light up with purpose, knowing that tomorrow if this church shut down, I'd still have purpose. Tomorrow if your job changed from selling cars to making coffee, you still have purpose. Whether you're married, you still have purpose. Whether you're single, you still have just as much purpose. Whether you're 20 years old or 87 years old like Val Rudder watching from home today, you still have purpose. We still have purpose. If you make the decision to follow Jesus today, you will have purpose. Purpose in your pain and purpose in the pursuit of success. And yes, a church makes it a whole lot better. I hope it doesn't close down tomorrow. We've seen what that looks like. It's painful. And married or single, it's both got its benefits. A really nice job or the uni degree that you always dreamed of are good. But with or without, we still have purpose. Turn to the person next to you and say, you still have purpose. You've got to mean it when you say it. Purpose stirs passion, right? Purpose stirs passion, this boundless enthusiasm. But we got to remember, it's not just purpose that we're searching for. We can find purpose in a lot of things. I could be purposed for revenge. I know that it'll stir up passion on the inside of me, right? But do you know that the only purpose that actually leads to real life that doesn't fade with time, that like Jesus said, is the way, the truth, and the life is found in him. It's found in Jesus. You see, a Jesus purpose, it doesn't just stir passion, it stirs hope. And hope is what we're talking about this morning. Hope is the expectation that something will happen. Actually, hope is the expectation of a positive outcome. It's hope that lifts our eyes above our circumstances. It lifts our eyes above what is going on around us. Hope causes us to soar on the wings of eagles. Hope causes us to run and not grow weary. Hope is alive. A Jesus purpose doesn't just stir passion. A Jesus purpose stirs hope. And today I want to talk to you about the first words of a hope trafficker. And we already have the first one. Hope traffickers say, I still have purpose. What do hope traffickers say? I still have We're getting it. I want you to think about this for a second. You can give someone something they don't need, but you can't take something they don't have. You can give someone something they don't need, but you can't take something that they don't have. We get that, right? Have you ever given someone something they don't need? Sometimes you don't realize it until you see it re-gifted <laughs> to the other person. Now, I've got a confession to make. Some of you would know the story uh, I told a little while ago about myself, in, uh, me introducing myself as, here I'm going again, as John to someone. I just forgot who I was. I was nervous in the situation. I'm not going to repeat the story. Um, everyone else remembers it because they're all calling me John now. Um, but I think I've got a story to top it. 
Yep, just this week, <laughs> I was uh, at the shopping center, the Farmer Jack's, which is like our local late-night shopping center. It was about 7 p.m. at night, around that time, and I was walking into the store to get some ice cream, actually. Um, it was late-night urges. Late-night for us. Um, <laughs> we have dinner at 5 and go to bed at 5.30. Um, <laughs> we've got kids. Come on. Anyway... We, I go into the store, and I'm, I'm, as I'm walking in, I'm walking behind this guy, and he's pushing in his bike and his backpack on, and I thought, that's an odd time to be riding around Hall's, Hall's Head. I think it was raining, it was dark, um, but didn't pay much more attention. Went into the shops, and as I was in the shops, I noticed he didn't come in. He just unpacked his big backpack and repacked it again. And then I happened to grab my ice cream, and I'm leaving, and I'm walking behind him, and and he's pushing his gear back out, and he's got a big jacket on, beanie, and this out-of-control beard, right? And I walked to my car, and I put my ice cream in. I noticed that he, he didn't go out to the street. He actually just walked around the back of the shopping center into the darkness. And so I thought to myself, hey, I'm a pastor. This is what I do. I'm going to go offer this homeless man a meal. And so I hopped in my car, and I drove around the back, and I wound down my window, and I said, hey, do you have a meal tonight? And he said one of the two words that he said to me that night. <laughs> Why? And that's where it all began to unravel. <laughs> you see, there are a thousand appropriate responses in that moment that could have recovered the situation. But I'm not a pastor in that moment. I was an idiot. <laughs> and so the only thing I could muster up was to respond by saying, well, are you living on the street? <laughs> His face turned angry now, and he gave me the second response. No. My heart was to help. My heart was to care for people. I was going to drive to Red Rooster and get him a meal and bring it back, but instead I destroyed his whole identity. I can't imagine what he went home to his wife saying, I just got called homeless. Oh. point doesn't line up much with the message, but you can give someone something that they don't need. And it's kind of like how we traffic hope. It's actually kind of like how we share about Jesus. You see, telling people about church is sometimes telling people about something that they don't think they need. They probably won't be that interested if they don't think about it, don't think they need it, right? And sometimes we get rejected. But we've just got to remember that you can't make someone need something. And yes, I do think that the gospel and sharing about our stories of transformation can reveal needs in people. But we can't make that decision for them. And so I just want you to remember that as we go about trafficking hope. Sometimes we get rejected. If we get heard about that, we've got to remember Jesus fully human, fully God, was crucified on a cross. I'm pretty sure he was a better communicator than me. I'm pretty sure he knew more scripture than me. And yet there were still people who didn't want to hear his message of hope. You can give someone something they don't need, but you know that there's power in the other side of the coin. You can't take something that someone doesn't have. If my hope is in providing for my family with my job, what happens? I can lose my job. 
If my hope is in my investment property, that if everything goes right, I'll be living the dream. The market can crash. COVID-19 can happen. If my hope is in the fact that I live in this free nation, our freedom could be taken away. And here enters the beauty of the cross and the resurrected king that lives on the inside of us. You see, if our hope isn't in the things of this world, then the things of this world can't steal our hope. If our hope isn't in the things of this world, then the things of this world can't steal our hope. Amen? Amen. So the second thing that I want to tell you about that hope traffickers say is you can't steal my hope. You can't steal my hope. Tragedy, cancer, bankruptcy, sickness, rejection. You can't steal my hope. It means something, right? Hope traffickers, they say that I still have purpose. And hope traffickers say that you can't steal my hope. And as we close off this passage of Scripture, we see Andrew, you know, the guy who was following Jesus and brought his brother along. He brings his brother Simon to Jesus and he says in verse 42, he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, this is the brother, the guy that he brought along. You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated is Peter. What an introduction, right? Hey, come along to church. Imagine this. This is what it's like. (laughs) No, I'm not going to do this to new people. Um, But it is like going, like we used to do in church. Who's new here this morning? Like, put up your hand so we can all go. Like, and then me going, no, no, no. No, your name's, where's Manny? Is he here? I always pick on Manny. He's not here. He stopped coming because I keep picking on him. (laughs) But your name's Ty. He hates when I pick on him. No, no. You're new. Are you new here this morning? Yep. Okay, now your, your name's now John. Like, it's weird, right? What an introduction that he gave, but it means something. And we've talked about this before. You see, Jesus, he immediately called Peter by what he was becoming. That's the God that we serve. That's the lens of love. He immediately called Peter by what he was coming. We know later on that Peter, it means rock. And Jesus would later say to him, Peter, you are the rock that I'm going to build my church upon. He immediately saw him by what he was becoming, which leads us to the third thing that hope traffickers say. The first two, they're about us. I still have purpose. You can't steal my hope. But the second thing hope traffickers say is, I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you for the purpose that God has on your life. I see you for the hope that I know you can have. I see you not for your failures, your outward appearance, but for what God says about you. That's how we traffic hope. By saying, I see you. I see you. You might feel down, but I see that thing on the inside of you. I know that God, he's got a plan and a purpose For your life, hope traffickers say, I see you. How do we traffic hope? Well, what did Andrew do? He spent time with Jesus, and then he invited someone. 
He said, come and see. Like the woman at the well. He stayed connected to community and he kept on inviting. Follow Jesus. Traffic hope. Share community. We need to be the people that say, I still have purpose. We need to be the hope traffickers that say, you can't steal my hope, but we've also got to be the hope traffickers with the courage to say, I see you. To the person that's shouting back at you in anger, to the person that doesn't understand what you are about, to the person that's rejected you, I see you. I see you. We've got to follow. We've got to invite. And we've got to share community. You might be sitting here this whole time going, why trafficker though? Why did you pick that word? Doesn't trafficker mean illegal? Yep. You heard right. Trafficker literally means a person who deals or trades in something illegal. People who will do anything they can to conceal, to transport a product to its destination against the threat of jail, of violence and of death. And yes, ironically, what they traffic results in jail, violence and death. But what if we trafficked something different? What if we trafficked hope? What would it look like to take that same attitude of recklessness, that same zeal to share hope, to spread hope and to traffic hope in our worlds? You know, I see hope traffickers in our church. And I've said this many times before. I see hope traffickers in our church. People who refuse to allow their circumstances to steal their portion of hope. People who would stand in the gap for others to protect them so that they could keep their hope intact. And I always picture it like this. Hope traffickers who like an NFL quarterback would stand there with their eyes on the end zone, their eyes on the goal, their eyes on the prize as the defensive giants are coming towards them and they take the hit so that they can get off the throw. Hope traffickers is who we are. Hope trafficker is who you are. Hope in the darkness. Hope in the pain. Hope in the great moments too. Hope when all seems lost. Hope when it seems like it's buried. Because the world once buried our Savior. But there was a power greater than the grave. Who needs hope, church? Those who would say that they've lost all hope. Those who would say that there isn't an end to my problems, my failures, my despair, to my pain those who would even fight against you for they know not what they do. Who needs hope? This broken world that believes the commodity of hope is almost illegal. A good news too controversial, too unbelievable. Who needs hope? The broken and the lost. You know, Jesus, he endured the cross, Scripture tells us for the hope set before him. Do you know what the hope set before him was? You. In that moment, Jesus was saying, I see you. And I see all of the failure. I see all of the despair. 
I see all of the things that went wrong and the things that went well, but I'm still choosing to say, I see you as my child. And so I'm going to climb up on this cross. I'm going to have those nails in my hands and I'm going to die a sickening and painful death for you and for me and for those in our community that don't yet know him. We are hope traffickers and it's our mission to bring that into every part of our lives. We aren't just hope traffickers here. We're actually hope traffickers out there as well. Hope traffickers, they say, I still have purpose. Hope traffickers say, you can't steal my hope. And hope traffickers say, I see you. Would you stand with me this morning? You know, I'm conscious that in this moment, there are people watching online right now who I know whose child's about to have open heart surgery this week. There are people watching online right now that have just been diagnosed with cancer. There are people in this room with us who have lost loved ones this week. And I don't have the answer. I can't tell you and connect every single dot. I can only tell you that we live in a broken world that doesn't always make sense. The only way that I've ever been able to make sense of it is by following Jesus. Because in Him, we find peace. We find strength. We find this purpose and this hope that lifts our eyes above our circumstances. But I acknowledge that saying you can't steal my hope is easy from stage when I'm not going through what you're going through. But I believe that our God he, scripture tells us He knows every hair on your head. He's saying He cares about you. He knows about you. He knows what you're going through. And so I want to pray in this moment, and I, pr- I hope that you would join me in this, for all of those who may feel like their hope is lost. They feel like they're in this moment of despair and they don't know where to go next. That the peace that surpasses all understanding would be with them and with you. Can we do that together? Let's do that, church. Dear Lord, God, you are our Savior, our King, Almighty. We know that, Jesus, you are the name above all names. And Lord, while we don't understand everything in this world, and sometimes we want to cry out to you and say, Why? Why me? Why them? Why now? But what I do know is that you are good. That in all seasons, we can raise that hallelujah despite our circumstances. In all seasons, we can declare that you are good. And as we do, as we turn towards you, you will turn towards us and say, come and you will see what I have in store for you. Come and see my peace that I've got for you my mercy that's new every morning, my grace that is sufficient for you. And so, Lord, right now I pray for those who have been diagnosed with cancer. Lord, would you have your way 
in their life, in their body? Would we speak the name of Jesus above cancer, above illness, above sickness? Lord, we thank you for the era that we live in, God, and for little Micah, who's having heart surgery this week. God, would you guide the hands of the surgeons? Lord, we thank you for the medical treatment that is available to us, God, that would see healing in his body. But God, I pray for peace for his family, the peace that surpasses all understanding, that they could sit in that hospital this week with a peace when the world seems to be falling apart around them. God, I pray for Amber's family, for Mia's family, for Troy's family right now. God of all things, why? But Lord, I choose in this moment to declare that you are a good God, that you are for us. So who could stand against us? God, would you have your mercy on their families this morning? Lord, would your grace fill the gap between their misunderstanding, their, their questions, Lord, and who you are to them? God, would, you, would they know your love? Lord, would you meet them where they're at? Holy Spirit, that power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead that lives on the inside of us. Lord, would you be so present in their lives in this moment? And Lord, for all of us here this morning, I know that you see us. And so God, we're crying out to you. Lord, your promise is yes and amen. You say, if we knock, Lord, the door will be opened. And so, God, I pray over this church a blessing. Lord, in unity, you command a blessing. And Lord, we stand united together. We pray this prayer together. And we lift up your name, Jesus, together. In your mighty name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen, church. I love you. I love you. I can't wait for you to join us next week. But right now, why don't we sing this song? I raise a hallelujah. Why don't we raise a hallelujah for those who are suffering? And if you're suffering this morning, I encourage you to lift up your voice above what you were going through and declare these words over your life. If you need prayer, if you need someone to agree with you, then we've got a little prayer corner over there, the couch. G-Dad's going to be there. The man, I've just told him, and um, Becky and Wooly, could you go over there as well and just pray for anyone that needs prayer? If you want to know more about following Jesus, we would love to do this journey with you. You can grab a pack up the back. You can head to our website and say, I've made a decision. Uh, or you can come see me after the service. I'd love to pray with you. Let's worship together. Let's do it.